Okay. Hi, guys, again. <laughs> um, yeah, so this simultaneously has felt like the longest five months of my life and the shortest. Um, it seems like it's flown by, but it also seems like it's been forever. Um, yeah, so for those of you who don't know, um, I just graduated on Friday night from a discipleship training school with Youth with a Mission. Um, in Youth with a Mission, their motto is to know God and make God known. And I think that discipleship training school kind of perfectly, um, perfectly does that. So discipleship training school is split up into two parts. We have three months of lecture phase, which is kind of college style. You do classes, and it's really focused on your relationship with God, and it's really focused on um, making sure your heart is where it needs to be so that we can prepare for outreach, which is two months, typically overseas, of um, 24-7 ministry. And uh, so, you know, the lecture portion is kind of to know God, and the outreach portion is to go make him known. Um, and so we were very lucky that we were actually able to go overseas um, for my outreach, and we went to Colombia, South America. Uh, we kind of went all over the country. Uh, we started off in the coast uh, in a big city called Cartagena. We spent about two and a half weeks off the coast on an island called Boca Chica. And we also spent some time in the capital, uh, which is Bogota, which unfortunately was uh, not as warm, not as tropical. It was in the mountains, and so it was about 60 degrees, 70 degrees. Um, so I lost a lot of my tan. I'm still getting over it, but... Um, yeah, it was, it was seriously a great experience in every part. And the culture is very different in both places. Um, so that was kind of interesting. It was almost culture shock within the same country. But um, yeah, so that is where I have been for the last two months. Um, and so just a little update for you guys. Uh, during the time that our team was there, we saw 300 salvations, 71 rededications, and 10 healings. Um, God's moving in such new and exciting ways. Uh, a really cool thing that we did with um, kind of dodging COVID restrictions, we actually made a QR code that links to a video of us presenting the gospel. And so when someone was maybe not comfortable with uh, sitting down and talking with us, or if we were kind of in the middle of a lockdown, which we had quite a few like full lockdowns happen while we were in the city, and God like totally provided a way for us to get around it, to do ministry through it. Um, but, you know, we were able to put these in mailboxes. We were able to give them to people, you know, when maybe we didn't have a translator and the best Spanish they had was me grasping for straws and kind of saying like in Spanish, like, I don't speak Spanish, but I have this for you. <laughs> and the videos speak Spanish. So um, it was it was really interesting. Like I've never seen ministry through technology like a QR code, and it was really cool to see God do that. Um, yeah, so uh, I want to thank you guys so much for your support. Um, your, your prayer and your financial support has not only changed the lives of, um, of these people that we spoke to that came to Christ, even the people who maybe didn't come to Christ, but seeds were planted. Um, and it's because of your support that I was able to do that. So I want to thank you so much for supporting our team um, and, you know, seeing these lives changed. But I also want to thank you for, for what YWAM did in my life. Um, um, YWAM changed my life. And 
if you guys hadn't come alongside me and supported me to get there, um, you know, I, I would not be nearly as, uh, as intimate in my relationship with God, and I would not have um, seen God do so many things in my life and in my heart. So thank you guys so much. And, um, yeah, I, I can't wait to talk to you guys a little bit more about it. Um, if you guys want to talk more about it, uh, call me. We can get coffee. We can try to do something while I'm in town or over a call. Um, but... Yeah, so uh, when I was debating on what to preach on, I decided that I wanted to do a little bit of a sharing slash preaching, and I was going to do that by um, talking about the lessons that I learned during my discipleship training school. Um, and so some of these are the things I learned in lecture phase. They're things that I, um, you know, learned sitting down, taking notes in a classroom. But the vast majority of them are things that I learned from experience. <laughs> um, and so the first lesson that I want to talk about is the theme of surrender. I learned this one real quickly, real quickly. But um, So within the first week of lecture phase, God taught me about this one. <laughs> um, so if you guys didn't know, I went into youth with a mission with a pretty uh, set life plan. Uh, I was going to Grove City College. I was majoring in psychology. Um, I knew exactly what I was doing. I had it set. And God really convicted me. He showed me that I took a calling that was good, a calling that was general from him that showed me that I had a passion. And I totally planned my own way with it. I didn't really consult him. I didn't really um, ask for his guidance. I saw what I thought fit. And I was almost saying, like, God, this is a good plan. Like, you should come with me because this is great. And I wasn't asking him, you know, what his plan for me was. Um, So within the first week, I was kind of wrecked on that topic. Um, (laughs) And so God told me to surrender that. And he told me to surrender um, college, like put it it out with open hands. And I was terrified. I have planned on college my entire life. um, And I was so nervous. And so actually one of the speakers had a word for the team, uh, or for someone on the team. He said, someone here needs to surrender Um, their future, the next three to five years of their lives. Maybe they're already signed up for something, but God wants to do something better. I think everyone in the room, we only had like seven people in our DTS at the time. We had five on outreach, but um, most of them were like, that's Katie. (laughs) So, you know, I was kind of like, all right, well, yeah, you're not wrong. Um, And so I actually assumed that God was doing that because he wanted to bring me back on staff with Youth with a Mission. Um, And, you know, if God had called me to that, I would still be perfectly happy. I would be um, overjoyed that I can stay in the community at Youth with a a Mission Pittsburgh. Um, I I loved it there. But, um, so as we were in Philly for the first week of our outreach, we did outreach in Philadelphia, um, I had kind of decided in my heart, all right, I guess I'm coming back on staff. I hadn't told anyone yet. Um, but the day that I had, like, decided in my heart I was doing this, I checked my email, and I get this email from this thing called the Launch Residency, and uh, Dan Bull had put my name in for it. Thanks, Dan. Um, (laughs) He he put my name in for this, and it is this program where I work part-time at a church. The church provides housing for me. They, um, They pay for part of my schooling, and I... Um, do an accelerated program through Crown College while working 
in ministry. And it was this crazy thing that fit me perfectly, that I get to do what I want to do. I get to do school, I get to do college, but I also get to continue in ministry like I want to do. Um, and at first I didn't really want to do it, but I asked God to work in my heart, and he really you know, changed my heart, and I'm so excited. And it just, this whole situation showed me so much about the fact that um, you know, I planned my way that looked so great, and it looked, um, you know, this is a good plan, like going to school, doing all this, because I'm supposed to. And, like, God had this huge plan waiting for me, like this, this amazing opportunity. But it took me surrendering what I wanted for my future, and it took me surrendering that control of making my own plan. And um, so this lesson, I, I kind of summed it up, I said, surrender, believe me, God's plan is better. Um, yeah, he, he has a plan for everything you're doing, and um, it's hard to give up that control, but he sees everything. You have a limited point of view. So um, learning to trust him and surrender that control was definitely so influential for the rest of my uh, time with YWAM. Uh, so the next lesson that I learned um, is from the head to the heart. And so uh, this was something that I learned much more in practice. So I think that lecture phase was kind of God bringing a lot of knowledge to my head. Um, we had like weekly classes on different subjects. And so like one week it was on hearing the voice of God. The next week it was on um, like Bible overview. Uh, and so we really like dove into the Bible and saw what the books mean. And, you know, it gave me a heart for scripture. Um, so lecture phase was a lot of God bringing knowledge to my head. Um, and I would say that outreach was God bringing it to my heart. So um, I, I realized on outreach, but even in parts of lecture phase, that a lot of people know who God is. Like if someone asked you, uh, what's the character of God? You know, you'd say he's good, he's faithful, he's loving. But um, sometimes people don't know in their heart who God is. Like, their, their mind says something, but in their heart, they still struggle to trust God. They still struggle with fully believing how good God is because it's kind of hard to comprehend. Um, and so I grew up in the church, obviously. My dad's the pastor. Um, but so I've always kind of been told God loves me, and I've always kind of functioned out of knowing in my mind that I'm loved by God. But something that I realized in the first few weeks of outreach was that I had never really had a heart revelation of, like, the love and care God had for me. So I had been entirely doing my ministry out of head knowledge and not heart knowledge. And um, so in, in my first week of outreach, God gave me this heart revelation of not only how much he loves me individually, but also um, how he loves everyone I talk to. And that really flipped my ministry like crazy because all of a sudden I had such a deeper care for every single person I was talking to. Every person I spoke to, I was able to see as like, you are so loved and cherished by the creator of the universe. And it made me so much more intentional with how I spoke to people um, because they, they were no longer just a person that I was hoping um, would come to Jesus. They were, they were a human being who was hand-created by God exactly where they are to be in relationship with God and to be used by God. Um, and so, yeah, God, God brought that knowledge of his love, his goodness, his faithfulness from my head to my heart on outreach. 
And he also showed me that often Christians can go their entire lives living only out of the head knowledge of God's love for us. We can go our entire lives um, just saying, yes, I know that God is good, but it's something completely different when we allow God to reveal it to our hearts so that we can say for certain from our experience in seeing God move that he is good and he is faithful. Um, And God wants to give us that heart knowledge, but it does take us asking. It does take us saying, okay, God, reveal to me who you are. Maybe I have preconceived notions about you that are not true. Tear them down, replace them with who you are, and actually show me who you are in my heart, not just in my mind. Um, So a big theme in a lot of my evangelism was uh, this next lesson, which is the difference between conviction and condemnation. Um, God really used this in in my life and then used it in a lot of the students' lives, and then he brought that into our ministry. Um, I would say that, that perhaps the biggest barrier to people accepting Jesus when we were on evangelism was condemnation. Um, so condemnation, which one do I want to define first? Conviction is when God points out to us something that we are doing that's against what he wants, and it causes us to want to do better. It makes us, um, we, we see what good God has for us, and so we want to be better. It pushes us on to improve. Condemnation is the shame that tells us that we're unworthy when we make mistakes. It tells us that, like, look at your past. You can't be used by God if you have done this, this, and this. So conviction addresses a behavior, and condemnation addresses your identity. And, um, yeah, on outreach, the amount of condemnation that we saw preventing people from accepting Jesus was heartbreaking because they were so defined by their past. They felt so um, so ashamed of things that they've done, of things that they were even still doing, that they didn't want to accept Jesus because they didn't comprehend the fact that someone could have the amount of grace that Jesus gave us. Um, and so a great example of this uh, was this man that we talked to during evangelism in Boca Chica, um, which is the island off of the coast of the country that we spent about two weeks in. So we went up to this man um, during evangelism, like just street evangelism. Uh, we call it pickoff. We just go up and speak to someone who God's leading us to. And he's sitting in front of his storefront, which is an alcohol store. And um, so we sit and start talking to him. And over the course of the conversation, he keeps saying, like, every day I ask God to reveal himself to me. And even this morning, I was like, all right, God, if you're real, show yourself to me. And I kind of told him, I was like, God answered that prayer. Like, we're here. Like, God led us over to you because he wants to show you that he's real and he cares about you. And he's, he's crying. He's obviously touched by the gospel. He obviously believes it. But he is so ashamed of his life and his choices that he was too afraid to say, yeah, I accept the gift of Jesus because he didn't understand that God has grace for that. And so this conversation did not lead to a salvation. It didn't lead to a rededication. It didn't lead to a healing. But as we moved on to the next person, I was kind of watching him out of the corner of my eye, and he closed his door. I noticed, and I was, I was kind of saying to myself, oh, it's like, I guess it's kind of evening. You know, he might have just closed. 
But I, I was like, what? Alcohol store closes at like 5 p.m.? Um, and he closed his store and he walked home. And so that to me was kind of God saying that God is convicting him and God is working in his heart. Um, and so God kind of pointed out condemnation to me in two ways. Of We have to be careful about how we receive it um, because it's absolutely something from the enemy that he can use to separate us from God. But it's also something that we have to be careful in the way that we speak to people. We have to be careful in the way that we address their sin. Because with this man, we didn't sugarcoat the fact that he, there were things in his life that he was talking about that we knew were, were not what God wanted for him. We didn't sugarcoat that. We didn't say, no, 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 it's okay. We, we talked to him about it, and we were honest with him. But we didn't nail it into him that he's a sinner. We didn't attack his identity. We addressed his behavior. And that's what God was doing. And so there was a lot of people that we interacted with that have also been really, really harmed by, um, by people in the church condemning them and judging them and saying that they weren't worthy. And so it was very convicting for me to, to hear that because it, it made me so much more careful about how I address someone when I'm speaking on their sin. Um, that I'm not attacking their identity because their identity is that they're created by God and they're forgiven. They just have to accept that forgiveness. Their behavior is the sin. Um, and so uh, we, God also pointed out to me that there are Christians who are kind of blocked from full intimacy with God because of shame that they have in their own hearts. Um, because maybe they have uh, this area of their life that they don't think that God could forgive, that they don't think that God would want in to that area. And so they don't have full intimacy with God because they're, they're scared. They're, they're, they're ashamed. And that's condemnation. Conviction makes us, okay, Nina, one of the girls on, on staff at YWAM Pittsburgh, said it the best, but I, I can't say it any better than she did. She said, conviction causes us to want to do better. Condemnation paralyzes us. And... Um, it, it's heartbreaking to see when people who believe in God are separated from him because they're too ashamed of their sins when we're presenting the greatest message of grace and mercy that has ever been written. And so um, it was something that was challenging for me in not only how I receive things, of, um, of recognizing in my own heart when maybe God is telling me I'm doing something wrong and I need to be better, or the enemy is telling me I'm unworthy but it also convicted me on how I treat other people, on how I address the idea of sin with, with the people I interact with. So, a theme that we also had was actually a word spoken over us um, by my friend Grace uh, when we were driving to Philadelphia for our first week of outreach before we flew to Columbia. And uh, it's in Isaiah. I'm not going to lie, I don't remember the reference. So it, but it says that God removes the boundaries of people. And God showed this to us in two ways as well. Um, so he showed us, first, the fact that we were able to go to a foreign country and travel within the country and do ministry in the middle of lockdown, in the middle of a global pandemic. The fact that God removed boundaries that, that were restricting us from being able to minister to people, God removed those. He, he so clearly paved the way for us to be able to minister. Um, and he opened doors. And his goodness and his faithfulness was just so evident 
with the fact that we were tested, I think, three times in one week. Yeah. Uh, and we weren't, we didn't get any positives. We, um, one of our team members actually got an antigen test, had never had it once. We were so protected. With that, we were still safe. We were still following precautions. We were still being wise. But God also opened doors for us to do ministry in malls that weren't even supposed to be open. He provided ways for us to get in and out of the city. Um, and the, the fine was about 600,000 pesos. Um, that's not as much as it sounds like. Uh, but it was, it's still a good amount of money. And the fine, if we were caught on the streets, was that. But there were moments where we're like walking to our van as a big team, and we're, we see the cop in the corner, and we're like, all right, Jesus, don't, uh, you know, just protect us. And the cop like waves to us, allows us in the van, and we leave. Like, it was crazy to see God do that. Um, but the second thing uh, that he revealed to me in removing the boundaries of people is God is not bound by what I think is possible and what I think is realistic. So um, if you can go to the next slide, I actually have a picture. So that is, uh, we just called him the Tin Man. <laughs> um, he was one of those people that you see in cities who was a performer and he uh, you know, stands there and doesn't move until you put some change in his hat and then he dances for you. And when our DTS leader told our friend Angelo to go speak to him, we thought he was kidding. We thought he was joking. And, um, you know, we thought, like, if we go up to him, he's not going to listen to us. He's doing his job right now, and that's to pretend we don't exist. Um, <laughs> and so we, we didn't really think we were going to see anything come out of it. But Angelo was, um, was so brave, and honestly, when he went up to start talking to him, I was just silently thanking God that it wasn't me um, for two reasons. One, I didn't want to do it, and two, because I could get this picture. <laughs> and... Um, we actually saw him come to Christ. And, like, that's someone you would walk by on the street and you would think, like, you would never think to go up and, like, share the gospel with that person. And as it was happening, I was like, he's not going to accept Christ. He's just going to keep doing his job. But God totally changed that and God worked through it. Um, but the second thing um, was actually yesterday. I... I've always had trouble doubting the idea that God can use me in my relationships and my friendships. Um, and within 24 hours of being out of YWAM, I was having this faith conversation with a friend yesterday. And um, this is a friend that I had had these conversations with before. Uh, we'd talked about it. I didn't really think anything was going to come of it, but he actually accepted God yesterday. And, you know, that's there was doubt in my heart because, like, that's my friend. Like, that's my friend who's not a Christian who, um, you know, I never, I never would think that God would use me to do that for. Like, he would use someone else. He wouldn't use me. And I just didn't think it was, like, I, I knew God could do it, but I didn't think he would. I didn't think it was realistic. But God has taught me that he removes the boundaries of people. He removes all of those things that I think are impossible, that I have doubts about. He, God doesn't care. <laughs> God God does not care about the unbelief I have in my heart. He works through it, and he works despite it. Um, and that was definitely one of the craziest moments of my life because I, I realized that, like, God goes so far outside of my expectations. Um, and, yeah, the, 
So God removing the boundaries of people addresses any unbelief that we have in our heart, as well as like the big boundaries that we see in the world right now of countries being closed off and, um, and you know, Christians being persecuted. Like God is moving despite those boundaries. God is breaking down those boundaries. But it also talks about the boundaries in our own hearts. <sighs> yeah. So the next lesson I learned that is something that my dad says a lot is the fact that God is working way before we ever get to a place. He was already moving before we even knew we were going to Columbia. And we saw this in kind of crazy ways, actually. Um, We had a woman, this was not my team, so I was not there for this. I'm not going to say I was there for this. But it was one of the team's favorite stories um, from all of outreach was this woman who she came up to them randomly and started telling them about this dream she was having. And this man in white was calling out to her saying, come follow me. She had not heard the gospel as far as I know. She was not a Christian. Um, And so finally one night, after having this dream over and over and over again, she, you know, she said, okay, I'll follow you, but I don't know who you are. I don't know how to follow you. I don't, like, I don't, I don't know what this is. And he said, Repent, I'll show you the way. And so that morning, we're on street evangelism, and they're speaking a message of repentance, and that, like, catches her, catches her eye, and she, or her ear, I don't know, she heard us. Um, and she, she goes up and, and tells them about this dream, and they're able to tell her that man in white is Jesus. And it showed so obviously that God is, moving in someone's heart before we're talking to them. God's moving. God's preparing the way. God's, um, you know, the, the analogy in the Bible of the seeds, like a seed was planted in her. We had the privilege to harvest it, but God was the one growing the seed. God was the one working. Um, and we had, we had other stories of even more dreams of, we had a girl who had a dream that God was calling her back to him. Her mom then had the dream that he was calling uh, her back to him. And then she worked at a bar and this drunk man came up to her and said, like, I, I know you wouldn't believe this because I'm in your bar right now drinking, but God's using me. He wants me to tell you he wants you back. And that was happening months before we were there. And then um, she was in Cartagena, which is about a 20-minute boat ride. Um, to get to Boca Chica. She was in Cartagena for a few days and for some reason felt like she was supposed to come back to Boca Chica for for a day, um, like a day early. And <laughs> we were we were there. And um, with street evangelism, it's like we go down the streets and we periodically go down them. So if we miss a house, we normally don't go back to it. So it's kind of like the one-shot chance. You get to the house, hopefully someone's there. If not, you move on. And... Um, you know, we get to her house, and at the exact moment we get to her house, she's walking in the door, just got off the boat, felt like she was supposed to come back for some reason. And we, she ended up rededicating her life to Christ. Like, God was doing all these things before we even knew we were going to Columbia. God was moving. And so it's a privilege that we get to partner alongside him, but he's the one doing the growing. He's the one speaking through us. He's the one doing all the work. We're just being obedient. Oh, so uh, the last two lessons kind of tie together. And the first is that following Jesus is not easy. Um, 
I said that these five months have been some of the greatest of my life, but it was also the toughest five months of my life, uh, especially outreach. It's two months of constant ministry. It's draining. You're tired. And you, there were moments where I definitely was so exhausted. I was like, I just want to go on a plane. I want to go home. I'm done. I'm tired. I, I don't think God's using me. And um, so to say that outreach was a breeze and it was all, yay, salvations and healings, like, yeah, we saw that, but there were days that it was so discouraging because we were just so tired. And so following Jesus and obeying him is not going to be easy. No one ever promises that. In fact, when disciples went to Jesus and said, or when people came to Jesus and asked if they could follow him, he didn't sugarcoat it. He said, you're going to be homeless. You're going to have no clue where your next meal is coming from. You're going to have to leave your entire family. You're going to have to make sacrifices. It's going to be hard. And, you know, he, like I said, he doesn't sugarcoat following Jesus. He doesn't say it's all, um, you know, all rainbows and daffodils. Like, it's, it's hard. It's difficult. Um, and I think our entire team experienced that, especially on Christmas Day. Uh, you know, it was a lot of our first Christmas, like Christmases away from home. And we were really struggling. Um, it was kind of a day that we were tired. We were missing home. And uh, so if, uh, if you can go to the next picture. Um, so we ended up doing a ministry where we were able to give presents to kids on Boca Chica. Because Christmas there is, um, is actually much more of an excuse for the parents to party than it is for kids to, you know, have, have a great Christmas with their family. Um, it was... It was much more of a chance for them to go out and drink and dance, and it's like a four-day celebration. Like, there were parties going on for four straight days. Um, and so when we saw that we had this opportunity to do this, at first, selfishly, a lot of us were kind of saying, like, it's Christmas, we want a day off. Like, we, we hadn't had a day off in a while, and we were really tired. And so selfishly, we were kind of saying, like, oh, I don't want to do this. Like, Christmas, like... I caught myself in my own mind being like, Christmas is about being with your family and rest. Why am I here? Blah, blah, blah. And God called me out, not very gently, saying, like, if you actually think that's what Christmas is about, you need to reread the Bible. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, and so as we're giving, giving presents to kids like this, like, God worked in my heart showing me, like, this is what Christmas is about about sharing the love of Jesus with people. And, you know, your heart for kids is great. Um, and so we were able to, to be somewhat, like, selfless in how we were serving him. And while we had these selfish thoughts, God still worked through us, um, and God still moved. But sacrificing that time was definitely not easy. I found myself missing home. I found myself um, really wishing I could just rest. Um, it was also hard being in a tropical setting on Christmas because I grew up in western Pennsylvania. Um, but it was, it was a sacrifice that, that now that I look at it, I'm so happy that I made. And, but it was hard. And following Jesus takes sacrifice. It takes sacrifice of, of things like that, but it also takes huge sacrifices. Like I was talking about surrender. It took me sacrificing what I wanted to do with my life because now I'm, my path is so different. But, um, you know, the next lesson that I learned is the fact that the benefits outweigh the cost. And, you know, the plan that God has for me 
it, it's me. And I'm not going to say I know every step. Um, our, our base director, when talking to me about my future, kind of said, like, God promises to be, like, the light, like, the lamp to our feet. He doesn't promise to be one of those, like, projectile uh, flashlights that allows you to see down the entire road. Like, <laughs> he never promises that. And God just promises to show us the next step. And, um, you know, what I'm seeing him do now fits me so well. And he cares so deeply about me. And he put desires in my heart for a reason. Like, the desires I have are there for a reason. Um, and so while this was the hardest five months of my life, it was draining, it was, it was difficult um, being, like, living with your team 24-7 every, every day of the week. Like, you're, you know, there were definitely moments where I was like, be alone. I want to go away from people, but you can't really escape <laughs> when you're stuck in a foreign country with all of them. Um, and, but like God worked through that. And so while it was a difficult time, like he grew me the most that I've ever seen God grow me. And he did that in my team too. Like seeing the growth of every single person on that team from day one to Friday night when we graduated was insane. We were like different people. We we had gone through a lot together, and it was, it was hard. There were a lot of tears, but we all said the same thing of, like, guys, we made it, and I can't believe God did all of this. And the peace and joy that I felt in moments of outreach when I, when it made no sense, when I should have been a wreck, when I should have been, you know, laying in bed just not wanting to go anywhere, but I had the peace and joy that's a gift from God when we follow Jesus the joy and peace that surpasses understanding. You know, I, I was able to experience that. And, and so, you know, we, we were able to see God work in so many ways. And so we were able to see the benefits, not only in our lives and how much we grew, but in the people that we saw come to know Jesus. In the man that we saw who was in a wheelchair, paralyzed from, I think they said, uh, the chin down. He could only move his eyes. And by the, time praying, uh, by the time we were done praying, he was still struggling to walk. His legs were very weak from, you know, years of being in a wheelchair. But he was moving his arms. He was standing on his own. And, like, the, the benefits that we see in just serving God, um, you know, this was a 180 flip for the rest of my life. And I, yeah, it was difficult. But... You know, what, the good that I saw come out of it completely changed my life. And so um, thank you guys again for, for getting me there um, as I wrap up the worship team. Up. Um, but, you know, it's because of you guys that not only all of those people had their lives changed by God, but that I was able to completely um, dedicate this five months to God, and I was able to see the most fruit come from it that I've ever seen in my life. And I was able to see crazy stories of God moving, of people, of strangers telling me things about my life that, you know, they, they didn't know, but what I needed to hear. And, you know, God, as much as I'm so grateful for, for seeing God move in other people's lives, this last five months has been just the biggest change in my life. And um, you guys praying, you guys uh, supporting that. It's all because of you guys. And um, so, yeah, just to close, I want to thank you guys again. Um, and 
I can't wait to see what God does from here. Uh, they always say youth with a mission should not be the best time of your life. It should just be a launching pad for the rest of your life. It should be the thing that like, throws you into full ministry and following God with your whole heart. And so I really I can't wait to see what God has next. I have no clue. I, I, I know the next step. I have no clue what my life is going to look like. But God has taught me to be okay with that. And um, yeah, so thank you guys.